Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm emotionally preparing myself for a whole lot of Mike Myers. This will make sense in a few months. I mean, I'm Alex. <laughs> um, we're talking about Shrek. <laughs> and I'm Britton. Y'all, we've made it. Happy 250th episode. Mm-hmm. Guys, mm-hmm. we did it. Uh, we tried so hard and came so far, and in the end, it absolutely mattered because it brought us to the big, big swamp, our favorite place. Get down in there. It's time. It's time for Shrek. <laughs> He's here. The internet's favorite son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah, so we're doing Shrek. <laughs> Because uh, we wanted to do something special for our 250th milestone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so I'll I'll just go ahead and, and get right into this. This is a very <laughs> weird movie to talk about. Um, Shrek from 2001, directed by Andrew Adamson and Vicky Jensen. It has an 88% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 90% audience score. I don't understand how Andrew Adamson goes from directing this to directing the first two Chronicles of Narnia movies. I mean, Brad Bird, uh, Tomorrowland, Andrew Stanton, John Carter. <laughs> Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Martin Scorsese did Great Mouse mm-hmm. Detective. You know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, um, Christopher Nolan, Quentin Tarantino. Other, yeah. just, you know, he's in that auteur space. Yeah, I think Nolan made uh, Pebble and the Penguin. Yeah, I, um, I believe I mentioned this on the podcast before that the first Narnia movie was my favorite movie for a long time. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting <laughs> to me. Um, I, I will, <laughs> I will start the Shrek talk. I don't, I don't know why we're we're like walking on eggshells. It's like we're, I don't know if we're we're afraid we're gonna upset each other or the internet no. or some combination. The internet's always upset. I'm afraid that someone's going to, like, that our inbox is going to get Kool-Aid manned with a bunch of Shrek memes (laughs) that, like, I absolutely want to see, but, like, I also don't. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm encouraging those. If you have Shrek memes, please email us. Honestly. I know we've we've asked before, we've asked for ideas about franchises, you know, things you want to see us do. Throw it out all the way, throw it all out the window. You don't have to think too hard about it. Just find your favorite Shrek meme. Send it our way. Yeah, we, actually, we will be so happy. Look, I don't care who you are. Yeah, who is listening to this right now? Please send us your Shrek memes to here come the sequels at gmail.com. Look, Britain. Tyler's the one in charge of the editing. He could have all star have been on a loop for the past five <laughs> hours, true. We don't and know. we wouldn't even know. We don't know. Um, <laughs> well, I, I do want to double down. Please do send us your Shrek memes. I <laughs> the thing about Shrek is the internet has contorted the character in the movie so much. Now it's kind of like the Sonic the Hedgehog thing, except I think the Shrek thing is mostly ironic and I genuinely don't know about Sonic. (laughs) Um, And I, it it was hard for me to watch the movie and like really parse out. How do I feel about this? Cause I'm mostly just acknowledging the fact that I'm watching Shrek and like, that's such a, it seems like such a funny idea to be watching Shrek for some reason, simply because of the the place it has in the internet now. And so it, it kind of was hard for me to like really buckle down and like, okay, but what is like my best thing and my worst thing? 
And I think it, it my best and worst are in tandem. It's just different sides of the humor. Um, I'm going to say my best thing about that is that the humor, as I recall, I haven't actually seen three and four. I've seen just the first two, and I don't remember the second one that clearly. But because I saw the first one in theaters and probably in school and stuff as a part of class, as a film class, film student <laughs> at NYU. Um, uh, I was in that class that uh, Paul Thomas Anderson dropped out of because they were dr- dragging Terminator 2. I was in that class and I was like, you should stick around, man. We're going to watch Shrek. <laughs> um, but anyway, I... I f- I, I believe I remember and have heard that the, the Shrek movies just become very laden with pop culture references and topical jokes and like famous people. And it all kind of becomes like this not quite meta thing. And this movie's largely pretty devoid of that. Like there are references, but it's mostly not doing that, which I thought was pretty good. Um, and my worst thing is it's kind of a, a, a blend where I feel like the movie... A lot of the the humor felt kind of bland to me. And I think a lot of that's just because I'm a 32-year-old man. Like, a lot of this movie is, like, gross-out jokes and just, like, ha-ha, he's annoying and he's tired of him and that kind of stuff, mm. which totally works on kids. And that's and it works on some adults. I think Eddie Murphy is quite funny in this. Yes. Um, like, no, no shade. But a lot of this movie's humor is the, like, fractured fairy tales angle which is something that I'm just very, very familiar with. I think it's a funny idea. I remember growing up watching like Rocky and Bullwinkle and Dudley Do-Right and everything. They would play the Fractured Fairy Tales cartoons and I really liked those. And But there's this trend, I think, where you do, you like bureaucratize fairy tale worlds and fantasy worlds and you you put a spin on them to like kind of tweet. I don't know. You, you, you literally you're, you're fracturing them. And, and I think that's a great idea. And I think it can be very, very funny. It's just, and I think at the time it was not, we weren't so inundated with it, mm-hmm. but I feel like I walk around books like this a lot at work. And I feel like, like I know I, I was, I think about this the other day, there's a lot of books, chapter books in, in our department that are like Agatha, you know, Grimm handles school for thievery and skullduggery. And it's just that many, many times. It's like, oh, they're, you're formalizing the training of them doing like a, an archetype. I, I, I sure. get it. And it's not a bad thing at all, but I'm just very familiar with it. And I felt like that watching this movie where I was like, okay, I get it. It's funny. The magic mirror is talking about the princesses and it's like a dating show. I actually thought that was mm-hmm. a good bit, but it all still felt very familiar. But the other thing about the humor was there's a lot of like what would be called adult jokes, meaning they're yeah. about like they're cloaking a swear word or they're alluding to something sexual. There's a joke about a, print, a Snow White living with seven men, but she's not easy. And I was like, this is a kid's movie. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a way to do and like we, we talked about this with Toy Story, Pixar and like the Muppets and everything were so good at putting in jokes for the adults that aren't dirty. They're not about sex and drugs. They're just like jokes that a five-year-old's not going to, they're going to get the movie as funny. They're just like, oh, I didn't think about that being funny until they're older. And they go, oh, that's such a great joke. Um, And this felt a little too like, really? And maybe it's just because those aren't jokes that I genuinely generally find funny anyway. But I, I felt like it, 
it didn't cross the line for me, but it kind of danced a little too near the line of like dirty jokes. Um, and hiding dirty jokes in a kid's movie is something I'm like, I'm not, I don't hate it, hate it, but it just, it doesn't quite work for me. Um, that's my long rambling way of saying some of the humor works for me, but a lot of it, I was like, yeah, okay. All right, there you go. That's my piece on Shrek. It's my Shrek report. <laughs> I'll go next. Um, I think I may have liked this the most out of the three of us. I'm not sure. I actually kind of loved this movie and I haven't watched it in quite some time. Um, and I wasn't really surrounded by the internet culture and all the, the Shrek memes. Obviously I, I've seen some of that, but I, I haven't been like inundated and with that. So I you're think about to see a lot more yeah. when our loyal <laughs> listeners send us I know. Shrek memes. I've set myself up for failure here. Um, but I, I, I feel like I've, I've got kind of a different perception going into this in terms of like, I just taking a movie in again that I am very nostalgic for. Um, I think my best thing is going to be the humor. Um, all in all, I think uh, mainly it works for me because it's all supposed to be satirizing Disney and poking fun at Disney. Mm. Um, that's kind of the aim, even like the opening where Shrek is reading the book and he's like, mm -hmm. oh, this is this very classic fairy tale. And literally the last page he uses is toilet paper. <laughs> right. Um, like it, it's it's supposed to be very like blunt like anti-disney and and i love when they go to lord lord farquaad's castle and it's supposed to be like disney world um mm -hmm. and they're just talking about how creepy it is <laughs> um i i think that's why the humor works for me but then also it's not just about the humor it's also like there is a story there is a character yes. arc for shrek and i think all of that is actually kind of sweet and emotionally resonant in terms of like no, not everyone has to be, you know, super, you know, attractive, conventionally speaking. Like, you can accept yourself for who you are and find the right person and all that. Um, so I think the movie does have quite a bit of heart, which helps to mm -hmm. compensate for some of the raunchier humor. Yeah, I would agree. Which I think in terms of masking the adult humor, it worked for me because... I didn't notice it as a child mm. and watching it now, I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought that was actually kind of impressive. So that, that's my best thing sure. overall. I, I think the movie had me laughing very hard many, many times. Um, a lot of that did come from donkey. I, I do think Eddie Murphy is absolutely wonderful in this. Um, BAFTA nominated performance. Yes. And I, I, I kind of think well-deserved. Sure. Um, my worst thing is actually just going to be, I think the last act is a little disappointing, a little underwhelming. Mm. Um, I think in terms of like, just like a general set piece, the, the kind of wedding ceremony, um, at this big kind of like castle aesthetic kind of church, um, just kind of boring and flat. Um, I do wonder if they had found a way to bring back some of the fairy tale creatures. I know that obviously the dragon shows up and eats Farquaad, um, but I always remember, even as a child, kind of getting a little bit bored towards the end. Um, and that may just be because, you know, obviously our characters kind of break apart because of a matter of miscommunication. And most of the time, I don't really like that as a, yeah. as a plot yeah. contrivance. So maybe it's just that happens and then I'm just not as interested in the plot. Um, 
But I always wondered, like, if they brought in all the fairy tale creatures at the end and kind of brought them back around to, like, storm Lord Farquaad's castle, which we actually do kind of correct in the next movie. Um, right. But I, I, I did wonder if that would, would help improve the ending for me. I mean, it's still fine, but I, I think the first two acts, I think, are very, very strong. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah, that's my worst thing. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do also a kind of two sides of the same coin. Um, on the one hand, I think my worst thing is just how dated the animation is overall. Mm. Um, and that's, I mean, it's not like, it's not really something I hold against the movie. We talk about this sometimes with other movies that where the effects have kind of gotten old after a while. Um, it, it's not something that I'm like, how dare they not sure. uh, make this, you know, 20 years ahead of its time. But I definitely noticed that the characters don't blend in with the backgrounds mm. uh, as well as I think, especially when you compare it to, you know, Toy Story, and Toy Story one, or sorry, <laughs> Toy Story and Toy Story two. Uh, I feel like it's somewhere in between those. And obviously dreams DreamWorks was kind of a newer studio at the time, um, or at least DreamWorks animation in particular had, I think it only had like ants under its belt. Oh, maybe, maybe. maybe there's some others in there. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> But not a lot, and I think it really shows. I think you can tell that the team wasn't quite there, that the they they weren't nearly as robust as Disney Animation was comparatively at the time, or Pixar Animation especially. Um, and that just kind of kept sticking out to me, that you know the characters didn't quite mesh with the background. Um, some of the animations were a little weird, and like they they looped in a way that was very obvious that they they were looping a, a movement. Um, so there's just like a lot of things there that, again, at the time, I mean, obviously, like no kid's going to care about that even now, probably, <laughs> but especially at the time, you know, it's, it's not that it's, it's, it was bad at the time. Um, but I think now that was the biggest thing that sticked out to me. It was like most distracting to me from the film. On the other hand, I think the direction and the kind of the energy of the way that they choose shots to animate is really, really strong. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one shot that stuck out to me is, is during the, Oh, the, all the characters break apart sequence. Um, there's a montage and uh, Fiona is sitting at a table and they fade and Shrek sitting at the other side of a table. That's just as long in his swamp. Um, and that's a neat, you know, really cool visual um the Take that enti- rises skywalker yeah the shrek enti- got to this 18 <laughs> years ago <laughs> um also you're you're neglecting the most important part of that scene not just the beautiful animation what is the song that is playing during that scene tyler i don't know if i remember how do you not know this you put me on the spot here that's year- all i think of it's best is- years of our lives by the baja men This must be the place by uh, Talking Heads. <laughs> it was Unchained Melody, I believe. <laughs> Hallelujah. But not oh, the version. Oh, you're right. You're right. But okay. not the version okay. that's on the soundtrack album. Fascinating. Right. The soundtrack album is Rufus Wainwright. The movie is a different thing. I don't know why. Yeah, it's it's Smash Mouth performance. <laughs> 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 what I heard, there was a secret chord. And they say it gets more secret. 
Um, yes, you are correct, and I completely forgot about that. Apparently, before and after my viewing, um, because okay. during the viewing, I just it just phased through me. I was if Smash state. Mouth did a cover of Hallelujah, you bet everything in your life that that would have been in the Snyder Cut trailer. It, <laughs> yes, he should have commissioned them. Um, so talking about the actual art in this film, yes, um, the everything to do with the castle where they rescue Fiona uh, is really fun and creative and cool. The The bridge they walk across yeah. and to get there, the, the castle is big and sprawling and there's all these ruins and it looks great. Um, you know, the, the way they have the entire fight with the dragon go is great. Uh, I love that Shrek kind of goes and, and just, you know, physically tries to restrain the dragon with, by its tail. And, um, the the way they play that as opposed to uh, as they reference in the movie any other knight who might have tried to stop the dragon and fight the dragon and how they all get died and horribly or all get died all get killed and horribly burned and eaten and whichever um, did you guys notice the the cookbook that's sitting mm-hmm. in the background yeah i don't know if i did there's a cookbook for how to cook knights and i think there's a cauldron right next to it <laughs> yeah it's like that is so neat there, there's a at one point, they are walking in the big cavernous main area where they end up chaining the dragon, um, and the camera pans up through the floor, uh, and in like a between level, there's two boots with bones sticking out of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, um, yeah. Th- there's all sorts of fun details in there. Um, Shrek gets thrown through the roof of the castle, which is fun, in order or the roof of the, of the castle tower to find Fiona. Um, and then the way they escape and, you know, their Shrek goes around and chains up the dragon using a, a sword and a big chain. I don't know. There, there's all sorts of cool details in there. And I think overall, both the art direction and the uh, just the, the overall direction, I guess, the cinematography. I don't know what you would call it exactly in animation yeah. or if it is a different word. Um, but it's 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 really energetic and fun and creative. Um, and you could tell they were pushing whatever technical limits they might have had, they were really pushing those and, and, you know, going beyond those. Um, I did forget to mention talking about technical limits. Also, uh, not Disney world and um, some other areas look very barren because I don't think they had time to fill it with people. Uh, like when thought. they, like, I know that part of the idea is that they walk up to the Disney castle and it's um, big and empty and creepy, but there are several areas throughout the movie, like when they show any outside views of the church at the end, it's yeah. it's very empty, and it, you can tell that they just probably didn't have time or didn't think it was worth the effort to try and put more you know movement in there. And I feel like from what I remember, because uh, I'm assuming I actually didn't check, but I'm assuming this movie did well enough at the box office to get a much bigger budget for Shrek Two. I guess I'll check that now, um, because I I feel like I remember the animation for that being step up and i i can already remember some of the larger set pieces from that that kind of moved along so i don't know nearly uh 268 million just in the u.s true so yeah um yeah it's interesting i i didn't i i was actually kind of impressed at how well the animation is aged i i I didn't (laughs) notice it being distracting in a lot of places and i think 
kind of the, the main difference for me between this and something like Toy Story is that the human faces are you can actually look at them and not grimace. Well, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm it's better than Toy Story. It looks better than Toy Story. I'm saying yeah. it's in between for me, Toy Story and Toy Story 2, which came out two years before this. I feel like Toy Story sure. 2 still looks smoother and kind of a little nicer. Yeah, I definitely um, noticed the datedness of the animation. It didn't really take me out of it, but I think the big thing, the the I don't want to say defense, the thing that helps Toy Story is that they're all toys. They're not organic creatures. So that kind sure. of changes what I think, what my expectations of how they should look and move. Sure. And that kind of helps smooth some of that over. But yeah, the animation didn't really bother me, but I certainly noticed it with the characters that weren't the four main characters or the humans that yeah also um the donkey the donkey the dragon kisses shrek on the butt um and i'm assuming that's going to come into play in the future films because of her relationship with donkey um also there's a part where you know they're capturing all the fairy tale creatures and there's a nice little joke where baby bear says this cage is too small and later there's a mama bear skin rug. And then mama bear is not in the movie anymore. We see the dad and the boy. Yeah. And that made me hurt. (laughs) I didn't like that. (laughs) But I I like how all these like subtle, like very dark details are hidden in the background. So you only notice it if you're an adult who's like actually, you know, paying attention. If you're a kid, you're not going to notice that. I don't know. Um, There are some spooky kids. (laughs) But I, I really like like the auction scene where um goths aren't just born, Alex. <laughs> they saw Shrek. They're, they're forged <laughs> in the fires they're, of watching Shrek. They're okay? Forged in the fires of Shrek. <laughs> but I, I do like the scene where um the old lady's trying to sell Donkey. Um but you see in the background, like it's clearly Peter Pan who's trying to give up Tinkerbell. Like Oh, I didn't the, catch that. We're, we're, it's like it's like the boys, but like for fairy tales. It's like a super No, it's a super like cynical <laughs> it's like the take. boys, but for, no, I agree with you. I follow what you're saying. Shrek is all about power. Um <laughs> I I mean in a way. Yeah, yeah. Far, that's true. Farquad only loses because a giant dragon eats him. That's true. Shrek uh, had to yeah. bring out a bigger flex. Shrek flex. <laughs> All right, boys, we've got a new uh, exercise machine. Uh, Britain is smiling into the ether, I think, trying to, I don't know exactly. Both embrace and fend off the darkness. The camera is slowly zooming Um, in on his face, and it's playing Hello Darkness, My Old Friend, but it's Smash Mouth, so there's like all sorts of mixed emotions First of all, it's called The Sound of Silence. Um, It's fine. Put some respect on there. Uh, I was going to say... Um, it's Smash Mouth singing it, Britain. There is no respect to be had. Sure. Uh, going back to the topic I had about animation, where I actually wanted to say something about the film. Yeah, I thought you had film. Make it no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am. Shrek also, is already tearing us apart. We're not even half an hour in. It is I, already tearing us apart. Yes, I am also the <laughs> the stickler who uh, gets bothered by some of the things the CGI in Avatar. Uh, and thinks that that's already kind of dated. Um, and also, uh, the budget for Shrek 2 was $150 million compared to the budget for this movie, which was $60 million. Oh, So, wow. that is a step up. Dang. Um, so, I think that'll track, and I think that will be more obvious. Yeah. 
what did y'all think of the voice cast in general? Because um, if I I remember um, Lord Farquaad being the best villain, mm. just in terms of a performance, and obviously John Lithgow's great. Yeah, he's a marvelous um, performer. Um, yeah, I, I just I <clears throat> um, it, it's good. I was just gonna say it's it's interesting because it's not like I don't know maybe I'm wrong because obviously you know. 2001 was a very different time i don't feel like this is like a super like super well-known cast at the time oh at the time Maybe I'm yeah. wrong. no at the time i think it was actually quite the opposite because lithgow mm-hmm. would have been hot off of third rock from the sun which was a big show cameron diaz was like mike myers would have been in the middle of austin powers, austin powers Never mind. right and i don't know what i'm talking about like one of the hot <laughs> i guess you're you know, right kind of sex icons of the time and eddie murphy yeah hadn't made like meet dave and haunted mansion and all that stuff yet so. he hadn't done norbit yet right um, that's really interesting i completely did yeah. not even think about how much this is supposed to be a 2001 all-star cast yeah yeah i had it because i well, i looked at the cast and i was like okay no yeah, you know it's interesting it's kind of some you know huh yeah but at the time well, well and wasn't isn't like the story that it was early in early productions it was going to be chris farley and then they after he yes. passed they got mike myers right I think there's actually recordings of him so. that you can go find. Yeah, it's like Buddy Epson and Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I, I, what, I, what I liked about the cast, and, and I, you know, Mike Myers, I, I, I guess I enjoy him. I really haven't, you know, seen a ton of his stuff. But what I will say is I think he's really good because he's not, he's the straight man to a lot of it. Like, he does have funny lines and he sells them, but it's a more emotional performance from him, and it's a it's a different kind of performance than you would expect from yeah. a Mike Myers animated character. Whereas, and I don't mean this as an insult, Eddie Murphy's doing what you expect him to do. Um, and mm-hmm. he's great in it, just like he was great in Mulan. Um, uh, I think Cameron Diaz is a lot of fun. And I think Lithgow is fun. Like, you know, Lithgow can do that kind of thing in his sleep. Not that he would. Um, but yeah, I, I, Mike Myers is probably the one that I think impressed me the most in the sense that, he was doing something yeah. I'm not used to hearing or seeing him do. Whereas Eddie Murphy was playing to his strengths and this movie uses him really beautifully. Um, yeah. I also liked how few big names there are, despite having these four megastars. I will point out Robin Hood is voiced by Vincent Cassell. Yeah. So that was interesting <laughs> to me, which is again, and something because I think in the future movies, it's just big star, big star, big star, big star. Vincent Cassell, whenever he shows up, he just does a wild dance. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what is the... I was trying to remember this, because obviously he's in the Oceans movies. Yeah. yeah. There, there, isn't there another thing he's been in that we talked about? He is in one of the Jason Bourne movies. We haven't done those yet, but okay. he is in one okay. of those. Gotcha. Yeah, I... <clears throat> he's also in Black Swan. <laughs> and maybe Eastern <laughs> Promises. He... Because uh, I, I feel like I had this impression that people saw Shrek as like... This is when we started having big marquee names in animated movies. I don't know that that's true. It might be one of the early times that was part of the marketing. But obviously, like Toy Story, you had Tom Hanks, who was already a double Oscar winner, yeah. and Tim Allen's. So like, it's not the first time that they had big names doing animation. But I wonder if this is one of the first right. times they really started leaning into. I guess you'd have to listen to the Marketers Cut podcast to know about the marketing of this kind of stuff. But that's not this show. Plug that, was a be- for- that was a beautiful... A beautiful yeah. reference there. Well, my dear friends, <laughs> listen, Logan, uh, um, who, who I'm sure are listening to this right now because we're talking about Shrek. Yes. Um, apparently, and and 
I can't remember if this is 100% accurate. I, I think Mar- Mike Myers originally did a completely different voice mm. for the recording sessions for Shrek. And then he decided, no, this isn't right. Hmm. I, I can do this better. So he changed the voice and they had to reanimate most of the movie around his new performance. Well, it, I, I guess I shouldn't have run down the whole movie as my character from Sprockets, that SNL sketch. <laughs> Now's the time on Shrek when we dance. Yeah, I... I don't know how I feel about that, because I really hope that the animators didn't, like... Because obviously there have been stories about animators getting, like, they they don't get the best treatment. Mm -hmm. um, No. In the the workplace. Uh, Go go look at the story behind Sausage Party, and it's kind of horrifying. Um... But I really hope that they got well compensated for reanimating most of his performance, if that is 100% accurate. I don't know about that. But I, you know, it must have been the right choice because Mike Myers is wonderful in this. And I I think that that is one of the through lines through. um, I haven't seen all these movies, but even the lesser ones that I have seen, I think his performance is at least fairly consistent. So. So I want to talk about the soundtrack and. Because this is the other like big thing about Shrek is All Star, yeah, which is the most like two thousand and one thing that yes. the movie opens with All Star for no reason. Um, yes, much of the soundtrack in the as as used in the movie is fairly sure. I, I it doesn't need to be Hallelujah for that montage. It's, an, it's a very serious song for a moment that doesn't really earn it, but that's fine. Whatever, it's funny. But what, one thing that I thought was interesting about this for me was that. I listened to the soundtrack album a lot and I was like, Oh, there's a ton of songs on that. This movie's going to be like suicide squad, just song, song, song. And it's not. So listening to it, I was like, that's so weird that there's so many more songs in the soundtrack and they're not in the movie. And then I got to the credits and I went, Oh, cause they're all in the credits. Cause there's <laughs> like five, four or five songs in the credits. It's so weird. Um, but largely the soundtrack is weird because one of them is Joan Jett cussing and it's just like while Shrek is fighting people. Yeah. And I like that song. It's delightful. <laughs> it's so weird. And uh, I do yeah. think that All Star works in retrospect. Period. More End. than it does. I, I want that moment. as my ringtone is Alex saying, I do think All Star works. <laughs> <laughs> because like everyone makes fun of it. Like it's not a good song. But I think it's it's got it's got that wonderful balance of like thinking it's really cool, but it's not. Sure. And sure. I think that's that's kind of emblematic of Shrek, where it's like he's actually just kind of a loser who's just kind of lonely, but he 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 plays he talks a big game. I gotcha. I don't know. I think that actually kind of works in Alex, retrospect. You're gonna get a subtweeted by Smash Mouth. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> he was right. The song was all about hubris all along. <laughs> It's about all stars we about a man. We really think, <laughs> I don't know if you were about to say what I was about to say, but it's. I was about well. to say it's actually about Icarus tempting the gods. Oh, I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna say it's. It's actually about Ozymandias, the, <laughs> the legend of the statue in the desert. <laughs> I'll say Poseidon. Anyways, is a cool place, um, and they say it gets cold. <laughs> I was gonna say I did look it up, um, and apparently uh, Mike Myers wanted or they had already animated a third of mm. shrek scenes and mike myers okay. did he decided to change it it's kind of neat he changed it because 
Lord Farquaad's accent was English and very like posh, and so he wanted more of like a working class accent. So he oh, thought okay. like, oh, like go from English to Scottish, like make it more of like that kind of uh, adversarial relationship, I guess. Sure. Um, and so that's where that inspiration came from. And it meant that DreamWorks, it cost DreamWorks another 4 million, which I assume means that's because they had to pay the animators. I hope um, not because they had to redo all of those scenes that had already been done, but just because like mouth movements and stuff had to be redone. Right. So it's interesting. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So not as bad as I thought it was. No. It wasn't the entire film. <laughs> they really don't show you Shrek's, business but they keep teasing you within the opening of this movie there's a lot of him like showering in the branches right there and then he's like diving into the mud and it's like a bubble mm-hmm. right there they're just it's very coy shrek <laughs> it's like it's like it's like a burlesque number <laughs> you know he he shrek will give you a little and he takes it right back that does almost make me wonder how much of the humor especially like the the raunchier humor is inspired by the Austin Powers movies. So there are several Good gags spin on Austin what I Powers. Said, Alex. <laughs> Cause I did a gross, I did a gross thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for getting us back. That's certainly possible. I mean, the obvious comparison to Mike Myers doing a Scottish character is, uh, I'll call him big ne'er do well. I'll call him hefty Jon Snow <laughs> from the Austin Powers films. And uh, he. <laughs> That's very good. Thank you. That was very good. Hef- hefty, hefty snow. But he. Uh... Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if that if that's what it was, is people at the time were like, oh, Mike Myers, you know, he's got a mouth on him. So we got to crass it up. Well, well, just there is a running gag in the Austin Powers movies where the camera is framed in a certain way and they're the characters in the scene are supposed to be naked, but they keep finding more and more convoluted objects to be grabbing to cover themselves. Sure. Um, so I, I, I do wonder how much of that humor is just kind of being carried over into this, or if it was just kind of like it came naturally and then Mike Myers came on board. Yeah. Cause if Chris, cause if Chris Farley was, was supposed to be mm-hmm. Shrek in the first place, I wonder if the humor was, was different at yeah. all. Shrek or if it changed Pratt falls and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Living in a van down by the swamp. That is a good sketch. <laughs> That sketch holds. Indeed. Um, he, he would be yelling, you're going to live in a van down by the swamp to Donkey. And Donkey would be like, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> that's the goal. Uh, fairy tale creatures. I don't even know what to say about Shrek. <laughs> I want to talk about the music for a second. Yeah. Um, not the Smash Mouth element, because that's just a whole can of worms. Um, <laughs> the... The score is made is co-composed by Harry Gregson Williams and John Powell. Um, Harry Gregson Williams done both of them have done a ton of stuff. Um, Harry Gregson Williams I know mostly from actually the Narnia scores. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I think all of them that got. I know he did the first one or two. Maybe he did the first um, two at least. I, yeah. I don't know about Don Treader because that's not um, even a Disney movie. Haven't haven't listened to them in a while, but I remember them being good. Uh, and then. Also, uh, John Powell is really known for the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy, which he does mm. a fantastic job. Yeah, with those, those are gorgeous. Um, 
And Very, X-Men 3. He did X-Men 3. Well, uh, Harry Gregson Which Williams. is actually one of the better parts of that movie. Harry Gregson Williams did Wolverine Origins. So there you go. <laughs> I, I saw <laughs> that while I was looking it up. Um, going to make waves in that X-Men franchise, you know? Go, moving <laughs> on from Shrek. <laughs> they, they've got to... Look, they've got to carry the load until Matthew Vaughn can show up to save it, okay? <laughs> um, Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I just thought that was interesting because uh, I should say, I really, really like the score for this. I think it's quite good at times. Um, yeah. There's a good no, theme to go, it. Go, going back to the castle scene, the actual like slow motion shot where Shrek's running around the corner, he's like, run! And they're running across the bridge and, and mm-hmm. the dragon's right behind them. Like the score that's playing through that is like very, very good. Mm-hmm. And I think it's able to balance like it, it It goes back to to kind of what I like about the movie. I think it's able to balance the comedic and the humorous or and the more serious uh, emotional stuff. It it is able to balance that very well. No, and I, which think, I don't feel like it should be able to. Sure. Well, I, th- I think the score does help bridge that because I mean that just that little theme, the true love kiss or what i don't know what the name of it is but that little refrain that they reuse is gorgeous like it's a really lovely piece of music um yeah i'm a big fan of the narnia score obviously um <clears throat> yeah yeah i think it works what did we think of the love story between shrek and fiona because i i found it this, this time around i mean this time around i haven't seen it in years but i i i bought it like i thought it was actually pretty easy to get into and i like that it's still quick because it has to be because it's a 90 minute kids movie. So they can't like Mm -hmm. take us through a whole, you know, ins and outs of their dynamic. But I think they do a nice little job in that montage of showing them like just bonding and then kind of like seeing, noticing each other differently. And I I think it all works. uh, I think it all worked quite well. Not not where I was like in tears or anything, but I, I do think it succeeds where, a lot of uh, I, I don't know. I think it finds the way to do a fairly hastened kid movie romance in a way that a lot of movies don't are, aren't able to do. Yeah, I think it excels because once again, going after the kind of Disney satire of it all, it's not just that Shrek is like a complete subversion of your typical like Disney male protagonist. He's not super handsome prince charming. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not the guy who's going to ride in on, on, on his white steed and, and battle the dragon and, and save you in, in the conven- conventional sense. He's, he's uh, <laughs> not going to play by those rules. But I also like that Fiona isn't, they make her a subversion too. Not yeah. just in terms of, oh, she's cool because she kicks people. Right, she can right. fight. It's also, she's weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's just as weird as he is. Yeah. Like that whole, that scene where they're like blowing up balloons and mm-hmm. Shrek like blows up a frog and she blows up a snake. Yeah. <laughs> it's just really weird. I don't know. That That's just like a very unique way of building chemistry between the two of them. And she literally um, blows up a bird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's, that's, cause it's one thing to just be like. Oh, this is this is all a ninety-minute dig at Disney films and Disney tropes and whatnot. I think it's one thing to do that, but then also, but a completely different thing that this movie does is to say, okay, we're gonna definitely make digs at Disney movies, but we're also gonna make our own story out of it and yeah. make something that actually works on its own, aside and, from that. And the point is going to be, uh, we're going to have a story where two people who are 
conventionally conventionally ugly you know like monsters kind of would, yeah monsters would be outcasts um that we're going to have a story where we show like a very compelling love story between them both to show that you don't have to be like a supermodel and also that you don't need to wait for your prince charming or whatever like right. you, you know it, it, it's a actual again going back to the what you're saying alex about the heart uh there's a real message there there's a real thing that kids can take away and kind of have fun with and um you know it, it's a it's a different offering than what disney does on top of being something that pokes fun at it um it's, so it's i guess weird. what i'm saying is shrek is is really the original subverter of expectation <laughs> uh it's, it is interesting how emotionally mature the movie is with its themes when there are so many fart jokes <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's, in, it's also interesting to me that this movie has so many songs and Jeffrey Katzenberg was the one who said they should cut when love is gone from up at Christmas Carol. Just saying. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> no, uh, let that sit for a moment. Yeah, just. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> I agree. And I, and I like that she the the the, you know, the the twist being that she stays an ogre because that's. Because like her looks aren't what matters now that she found someone who she loves and who loves her. Yeah, like yeah, it's all very it's all very sweet. And donkey's parfait joke is funny. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. you know everything everything with donkey is absolutely delightful. Some of it was a little much for me, but I think that's just I mean obviously it's all subjective, but just and by which I mean it was just like cool. I get the joke. All right, I got it. We can yeah. you can you can trim I- a sentence off. I don't know if it's just Eddie Murphy's voice and I just find his voice very amusing, but, but even something as simple as like the constellation scene where, you know, Shrek's pointing out all these different, that was, yeah, I like that scene. Ogre stories. And then at the end, like they have this serious conversation, but then donkey goes, Oh, what's that one? Is that, is that a donkey? And, and Shrek goes, that's the moon. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cute. Yeah, that was that's cute. No, that, and that was a nice little moment of their friendship growing, yeah. which I think is, is, is quite nice. I think the movie also works because when the characters have genuine arguments, they've built them up and they actually feel like they matter. Like the the scene where Donkey goes and is like, "No, I I am owed part of this swamp. Yeah, you you know I'm gonna block part of this off. I take this section, you take that section. You're always mean to me. I was on this journey with you. We both saved the princess together. I've earned this. And then they they get into that that fight. It's actually pretty you know pretty tense exchange and i was actually like into it i was into the drama (laughs) yeah i mean it's nice to see a character who is the typical or who fulfills the role of the side character uh he's literally the butt of the joke the yeah the comedic relief um stand up for himself and be like no actually i also have feelings you should respect them and also you're being an idiot for this other situation which yeah I think the miscommunication plot bothers me because the the origin is just that Shrek overhears the wrong part of a conversation and decides that that means that, uh, you know, basically Fiona will never love him, even though he's gotten all these other signals. I guess that's not that outlandish. It's his own insecurities telling him that more but than anything else. I really, yeah, I really like that it's really playing off of Shrek's insecurities and defense mechanisms of wanting to, you know, go live in the swamp and 
ignore people because people are always going to turn on him and he just has no love left in him because he refuses to uh let himself be hurt <laughs> yeah that, that uh, which again <clears throat> is is a weirdly tender uh thing for you know this this such a strange movie yeah. with with so many uh silly things going on in it i that one definitely didn't because that that the like we're gonna have a the plot is gonna make us argue and split up because we need to is something that i think shrek gets blamed for but it's not really shrek's fault like shrek does it well and a lot of other movies don't one thing that does frustrate me is that there's a lot of like shrek just let me explain shrek no i can explain and then he keeps interrupting and i I understand why that's happening that way, but I kind of wish if they had tried to start explaining that, no, she's turns into an ogre or no Shrek. I wasn't saying that, but that the fact that they keep, I don't know. It bothers me in, in movies when people don't communicate clearly. Yeah. <laughs> when like, <laughs> and I understand why that happens, but if Shrek were interrupting them, trying to exp- actually trying to explain and not just saying, no, it's not what it looks like. No, but let me explain. Then just start explaining. I don't know. I don't know. It's a it's a total nitpick, Britain, a Brit pick, if you will. But Bruce, you have to listen to me. You don't understand. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> from oh, from uh, from Puss in Boots. I, it's foreshadowed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know when uh, Superman says, "If I wanted it, you'd be dead already." He's showing empathetic communication skills. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> He's listening to his partner. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, how do we feel about all the short jokes about Farquaad? Um, because I'm of two minds of it. On the one hand, I think it's kind of not cool <laughs> to, to be, you know, yeah. that mean to him about it. On the other hand, I think it works okay with the message of it doesn't really matter who you are as long as you're, you know, a decent right. person at heart. Right. Um, well, also, I be- think it's it's supposed to be more of don't let your insecurities define you. And he is very much defined sure. by his insecurities. Right. So, yeah, they probably do poke too much fun at it. Um, it mostly works for me, once again, just because of the, the, the dig at, at kind of Disney tropes. And it's like he, he rides up. On, on the steed to go find Fiona and then they pull they yank him out of the, the suit. <laughs> Having the legs on the, the horse is a very good bit, uh, regardless yes. of anything else. Even if I was also mixed having mixed feelings about it. Yeah. Um Yeah. I think that's fair. I think ultimately the movie does a good job showing that it's supposed to be it's not supposed to be, hey, you, you can't you can't be loved if you're short. Right. It's it's right. more um Yeah, it's it's more nuanced and it's more about the fact that you, you don't want to I don't know, drive people away. Uh Donkey short, he got a dragon. <laughs> I I think to the I was thinking about this earlier today. So 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 one of the big comedy tropes is that this character is dumb. Homer Simpson, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a fine line, and I don't know exactly where it is, but there's a line where, okay, is this character being dumb? At what point does this shift into this character is now intellectually dis- disabled or developmentally stunted or something, and now we're making a joke out of that? 
don't sure. think that's the intention. I certainly don't think that's Homer Simpson's deal. But that I think is a, is a line people can accidentally cross sometimes, where in their portrayal of a character, uh, specifically the character I was thinking of was this guy named Boron on a uh, um, Freakazoid, and that was not the joke at all. He was just supposed to be like a doofus. But there are times that I'm like, you could read that a certain way. And I think with Farquaad, the, the thing I was thinking about was like, is this getting too close to making fun of people who have like dwarfism or something? Sure. And I don't, that is not the movie's goal at all. That is clearly not what, Farquaad's is short. He's not, they didn't, you know, They're, design him a, a certain way that he's a certain, that, that he has any kind of condition or what have you. But like, so again, I don't, I don't blame the movie for this, but I think it, it, it's a tricky line to walk when you're doing that of like, at what point are we just making jokes about a person being short? And at what point are we making yeah. fun of people who have this condition and now are making fun of a community that shouldn't be made fun of? Like, how do we, how do we balance that? And I do think, I do think the old movie ultimately manages it. Cause it is again about insecurity more than it is about denoting it as a flaw, but maybe the movie, the movie also tends to treat his shortness as a flaw. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, I think it's spinning out of, playing it as a Napoleon complex type thing. Yeah. Yeah. With anything. Uh, I, yeah, I, I just feel like his, his character design is a little extreme. Um, sure. And so, yeah. So what you're telling me is they should have kept him alive. That way he could have had like a three movie character arc. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, and Joaquin Phoenix will play him in Farquaad. I, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just called Lord. Lord. <laughs> yeah. I, I and will, Lord will do the soundtrack in yes. in the Shrek uh, Broadway musical. Farquaad was played by this wonderful actor named Christopher Sieber, who is a huge man, six foot something, broad shoulder, huge guy, super super funny. He's really really great in that show. And the way they would do it is he would walk around on his knees, and they had legs attached to his thighs, <laughs> and they just they had like a big cape and just always had him position so you couldn't see that his knees were behind him <laughs> so it looked like he was just walking around on his like it was actually a pretty good like visual gag mm-hmm. um it was a pretty good stage trick and uh christopher sieber is a very funny performer who again has like big barrel chested broad shouldered guy <laughs> um yeah it's good stuff alex what else do we have to say about shrek um, I don't really have a whole lot more. I think the, I, the movie's got like pretty, pretty simple aims, but it just hits, hits the mark pretty effectively. I, I feel. And that is the simple aims thing was something that really stood out to me. I was definitely mixing. I've seen, I think all of the main Shrek movies in theaters as they came out as, when I was a kid or. Yeah. All two of them. Sure. Um, but no, I, I've seen all four because I think I combine things from all of them together. And so now I have no idea what happens in each one. And hopefully this will set me straight. Um, but yeah, I, I had forgotten how small in scale this is, how it's, it's really just, they go to the castle, save Fiona, they have a journey back, they get into a disagreement, uh, and then they crash the wedding because they realize they've made a huge mistake or Shrek realizes he's made a huge mistake. Like that's the whole movie. And, and for some reason I was thinking there was more going on there. Um, or, or that some of the set pieces and 
events of later movies what happened to this one so that was really interesting to me uh but also it's 90 minutes so yeah yes please great <laughs> you well, did I, it when i went on to i watched it on hulu and it said it was two hours long and i was like what uh, are you saying but then i started the movie <laughs> it was 90 minutes and i was like hulu and but but then you were like what are you saying <laughs> and then I, this must be part of that like into the dark um thing they do mm -hmm. Where they scare me with an extra half hour of Shrek. How long is Shrek 2? Not long enough, God. Hour and 45 minutes. So Whoa. they gave it a little breathing room, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that extra, what, like $90 million had to go somewhere. <laughs> it was to the last 15 minutes. You're probably not wrong. Yeah. If I remember There's correctly. There's most likely a medley of uh, hilarious songs. Yeah, like... Skater Girl. And <laughs> Suck Up the Sun. I'll be angry when that's not true. <laughs> I did like that Eddie Murphy did his uh, did I'm a Believer in this by the yes. Monkees mm -hmm. in Smash Mouth. That was fun. Um, the last thing that I want to point out, and then we can do grades, I absolutely love uh, the, the little gingerbread <laughs> oh, <yeah>. guy. <laughs> the gingerbread man? Is it is he called the gingerbread man or is the guy who makes the gingerbread the gingerbread man? Whoa. Pretty sure. <laughs> who who gingers? The I was bread? just going to say that. <laughs> um I I think he's just the gingerbread man cuz it's a man okay. and he is made of gingerbread. Well cuz they they have the joke about like uh, he lives on Drury Lane. I got confused. It's fine. Quis Which is also a cute joke. Quis custodiet ipsos gingerbread. <laughs> Also, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, he, he like bats the gingerbread man into a trash can at the end of that scene, and I was very unhappy about that. <laughs> but it's okay, he's alive at the end. <laughs> so he can say, God bless us, everyone! <laughs> I had forgotten about that, and that is a very good joke. Um, also, I guess he's got Deadpool powers, because he's starting to grow a leg back. Yeah, you know. Like he's he's using a candy cane as a cane. It's mm -hmm. cute. This, this movie's cute. The, the, fart jokes and all. The one thing I I will say before we do grades is that I was a little dismayed that Shadow the Hedgehog wasn't in it. Um, <laughs> I get it. it was, I mean, you could say that about every movie. No, well, sure, but like the, I get that it was two thousand and one, and you know, the, it's based on uh, a book by William Steig, and like. I don't know. I understand it's two thousand like different time, and it, it's we weren't ready to have like an on-screen gay couple. But Shadow and Shrek are boyfriends, <laughs> and they kiss. And it was just a shame to not to see him kissing someone who's not Shadow felt really weird. And I don't know. They have a son who's SpongeBob or Batman, and like it just I don't know. <laughs> you are upsetting me so much. Hey, right now. <laughs> hey, send those Shrek memes, baby. <laughs> Send them our way. <laughs> we should also explain that it's not a bit that we 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 do want representation in films. Yeah, no, that, of course that I do. part's 100%. not a bit. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, I, I feel like we should make this clear. Absolutely, I do. Um, and and separately <laughs> as a meme, we also want. I just want to make sure that we yeah, understand there, where we. There's the joke of saying I want Shadow and Shrek to kiss <laughs> in a sixty million dollar movie. And then there's the not joke in saying I want representation. 
I'm Britain, trying to confirm when Shadow was created. <laughs> Britain, I did want to ask a. Young. I did want to <laughs> ask an an actual semi serious question. Okay. Um. Do you know anything about the book that it's based on? Not really. I. It's. It's not. I. I don't. There. I think there is a donkey, but I really don't think it's. I. I think it's like they kind of took the idea. Okay. And went from there. Um, yeah, because I, I I had no idea, especially when I I, I kind of discovered all the the Jeffrey Katzenberg of it all in terms of being like a middle finger at Disney and all yeah. that. I, I wasn't really sure how much of that was like in the original source material because I didn't even I right didn't even know when that book was written. I mean, I think so. I've just kind of flipped through it, and I don't re- I, I don't remember it being. I don't think that he literally runs into like Pinocchio and the Three Little Pigs. Sure. I think it's just. Also, Geppetto is selling off Pinocchio, yeah. and once again, it's just super messed up, little, little and it, I kind of love it. It should have been both uh, Roberto Benini's. <laughs> <laughs> Please, yeah. take this boy. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. <laughs> uh, I would just like to say Shadow the Hedgehog was introduced in Sonic Adventure 2, which was released in 2001. Whoa. Uh, so. Oh, they probably met at a party. They probably had a lot of, like, because <laughs> they were both coming up at the same time. Oh, so what are you here for? Video game. <laughs> you talk like Rorschach. <laughs> I was going to say, why is Shadow Rorschach now? <laughs> One day all the fairy tale creatures will look up. <laughs> Rolong bouncy ring. <laughs> if they announced that in the Sonic sequel they're bringing in Shadow and Jackie or Haley was doing the voice I, I would you might actually have sold me on on paying to see that movie we would oh Alex I would have would drag you <laughs> to that movie <laughs> oh my god <laughs> fuck with two tails some kind of mutation god's final trick now things can fly <laughs> <laughs> we all fly, then we fall. And what falls is fallen. I, sometimes I like to just appreciate uh, observing a thought that has never been thought before in human history, and I don't think anybody has ever connected tales to God's final trick. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to, I want to highlight that, put that My, out there. Name is, his name is Miles Prower. Bad joke. A, jo- a comedian died in the Green Hill Zone. <laughs> <laughs> and you just hear faint gold ring noises <laughs> that's, that's in the, the background. Of, when the comedian goes through the window, it goes, Kring! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, instead of the smiley face, it's a gold coin, right? Yeah. And, that... and Bubastis is Rotor, that walrus from the cartoon. <laughs> oh my god. We we should uh we should do grades now. I think we should uh, go into grades. No, you're right. I, we gotta I, eat, get some guys, chili dogs. I... No surrender, <laughs> even in the face of chaos emeralds. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all I got there. Great, Doctor Manhattan yeah, is big the on. cat. <laughs> what? Are, we're sorry, Tyler. What are you doing? Uh, I think I'm gonna go A minus. Um. I'm not sure how much of that is just because of how much I got out of that Shadow the Hedgehog is Rorschach did. <laughs> and now I'm just like feeling more positive because I think I was I was maybe leaning B plus. But you know what? It's a solid movie. It gets it gets what it it gets done what it wants to get done, you know? Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I'm going to give it a flat A. Um, I, I am very fond of the movie. And like I said, I think it's able to balance particularly raunchy humor very well with actually being like an actual story with characters that I like and I, I care about the emotional arcs that they go through. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think the, the third act is a little underwhelming. Um, so not quite there, but the first two acts definitely, I think, are, are kind of near perfect for, for particularly what this movie is aiming for. So yeah, I definitely had a good time watching it. Uh, I'm going to go flat B and that's really just more a reflection of my particular like taste. Yeah, I guess so. Cause I don't have a lot of like criticism so much as like, ah, yeah, good job. I do like this. I listen to that soundtrack a lot. So, you know. I mean, yeah, if you don't like this this type of humor, it's <laughs> within ten minutes you're gonna be like, Oh, this is yeah. this is the rest of the movie, isn't it? There's still some good jokes some of the jokes that got me, you know, but yeah. Meh, fairly muted experience for Mr. Britton. Sure. Um I think we can do a quick recommendation segment. I can do mine fairly quickly. Um I finally got around to watching The Father. The movie that for which Anthony Hopkins won his second Oscar a couple months ago, and uh, it's pretty cool. It's about uh, he Anthony Hopkins is or Anthony Hopkins is a man named Anthony who is dealing with dementia and sort of a fading grip on the world. And his daughter, played by Olivia Coleman, is trying to help come up with alternate living situations for him. And the movie is really interesting because it's it takes us through his perception. We see the world the way he does. So, which I wasn't fully aware of before I saw it, which I think is this movie could so easily have just been a very like flat kind of sterile, you know, British domestic drama. Uh, but it's not. It's based on a play by Florian Zeller, who wrote and directed the movie, his first uh, movie he's directed. And Christopher Hampton co-wrote the script. And, and, and the movie's really interesting because scenes will play and replay as Hopkins' characters remembering them. The set will change, like the architecture will be the same, but the decoration will change as he perceives himself being in different locations. And wait, I thought I was in my apartment, but it's your apartment. But I thought it was all this other kind of stuff. It's really impressive. Shocker, Olivia Coleman's amazing. She's always great. Um, Rufus Sewell is in there. He's really good. Mark Gatiss, Olivia Williams. Imogen Poots, who is a super dependable actor. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've come to learn. Uh, you can always count on her. She's very, very talented. And Anthony Hopkins, you know, come on. <laughs> Every now and again, he gets to remind you that he's one of the greats. And this is a much more vulnerable performance than we're used to seeing from him. The performance that I could most liken it to, not in terms of specifically what he does, but in just in terms of his career is Captain Phillips in that that was a way to see Tom Hanks. You go into that movie being like, Oh yeah, cool. I get why Tom Hanks is playing this character. And then by the end of it, you're like, I've never seen Tom Hanks like this before. Hmm. Also, I'm not seeing anything because they're my eyes are filled with tears and I've been shattered. But Tom Hanks is a wonderful in that. And it's similar to that with Hopkins. Like he's doing all the Hopkins stuff, but he's he's doing something that I at least am not used to seeing from him, which is very tender and seeing him in that place is very special. Um so as a movie, I definitely liked it. It didn't hold on to me the way like in the days past as, as much as I might have wanted it to, but I totally get why Hopkins won, and it's uh, it's just a great, great performance from a really, really great actor. So, yeah, I would recommend it, and it's called The Father. Tyler, you got, I know Alex has got a bunch, so Tyler, you got anything? I don't think so. 
All right. Well, I'll compensate for you. <laughs> um, I watched like several random things on HBO Max because I'm finally trying to go through my watch list and just knock a bunch of stuff out. Um, so I watched The Hunt, um, which is a very, interesting. very interesting uh, political film that ultimately ends up being more in the middle that I want to than I would have expected. Um, mm-hmm. Betty Gilpin's really good in it. Hillary Swank's really fun in it. Uh, it's, I think within the first 10 minutes, you can figure out what kind of movie it is. Sure. So I think, uh, your mileage will probably vary, but I, I had a, a pretty good time watching it. I love um, Betty I Gilpin. also, yeah, she, she is quite good. Um, I watched RKO 28, mm. um, which is an made for HBO movie, um, uh, about the making of Citizen Kane. That is not Mank. <laughs> <laughs> but Mank is in the movie. Hey. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I thought Put it was in the actually, Mank bank. <laughs> I thought it was quite good. Uh, it's written by John Logan, who mm. also wrote The Aviator. He had the last rewrite on Skyfall and the first write or draft on uh, Spectre. Um, mm. He's written very, you know, a wide variety of things. Yeah, less than um, Yes, uh, that as well. Um I enjoyed it quite a bit. Leah Schreiber, I wouldn't immediately have thought could be Orson Welles, but then he's just Orson Welles, and I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, John Malkovich is Mank, so eventually I will watch the movie titled Mank, <laughs> and I have no idea how historically accurate it is, but I, I thought it was quite good. And uh, James Cromwell plays William Randolph Hearst, and so the movie is about kind of how they determine that the, they're going to base the movie off of his life, and then the battle of him trying to suppress the movie after it's been made. So, um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I quite enjoyed it. And uh, Sir Davos is in it. Ooh, uh, hey now. Very briefly. He, me. <laughs> he, he plays the cinematographer huh. for uh, Citizen Kane. Fun. And it's weird because he simultaneously looks exactly the same and very different. Mm-hmm. And it's very very odd but i saw him i was like is that who i think it is <laughs> and it was um then i watched bram stoker's dracula <laughs> francis ford coppola nice. film. um it's very erotic uh keanu reeves okay. and winona Ryder are not great in it but it didn't distract me like it seems to with everyone else and gary oldman was delightful and it's very very well made so i i still highly recommend it uh that might have been my favorite of the movies i watched hmm. um really Ooh, it's also just over two hours i think which one bram stoker's dracula oh interesting yeah either that or rko i think um but yeah quite a bit of fun and uh a lot of very interesting people just show up in it like richard e grant is there for some reason <laughs> always i'm good. like you don't have any gray in your hair. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, I watched The Doors, <laughs> mm. the Oliver Stone biopic. And uh, it's a movie that I think Jim Morrison would have liked in terms of it's self-indulgent. It's over the top. It's probably way too long. Overstays its welcome a bit. But Val Kilmer's really darn good. There you go. <laughs> so. I've got I've got four different movies that I, each of them I could name a recommendation because I like them all. So take your pick, Tyler. Which one do you want? <laughs> Claim it as I'm, your own. No, I'm I'm very fascinated by that uh, RKO. Where, what is that? What is the origin of that title? 
RKO I think 28. R- RKO is the film company that makes okay. the movie. And I think 28 is the lot number where they're actually shooting gotcha. Citizen Kane. Okay. I, that that sounds fascinating. And I feel like I may have heard something about that. Like the title sounds familiar, but uh, I might have to check that out. That sounds very neat. And I will I will uh, up the viewership of anything that includes. Well, of course, oh, that's, the, that's the one you have to pick out being overly excited for. I said the title wrong. For some reason, I my notes didn't capture it right. It's RKO two eighty one, not twenty eight. Okay, mm. sounds good. Well, I'm glad we corrected that. Yeah. We can't or, get anything we, right on this podcast. We, we corrected it live, man. That's <laughs> that's how you got to do it. Um, but I will I will up anything. What is the name of Davos's actor? Liam Cunningham. Yes, yeah, I will I will up anything that includes him. That's why um, you gotta watch Dog Soldiers, my dude. Watch him fight a bunch of werewolves. I might have to. It's good. It's a good time. Sean Pertwee's there too. <laughs> Kevin McKidd. Um, oh, yeah. Tyler. Also, one last thing. In the doors, uh, Kyle McLaughlin is there. Okay. Oh, well, you can't you can't pull me in these directions like this. I <laughs> only have so much time. <laughs> and and Tyler looked at the screen and said, "Hello, I love you." <laughs> I I also watched uh, the Tomorrow War. Uh, ah, Chris, yeah. Chris Pratt's big action movie, and I will say, I I, I watched it because Betty Gilpin is in it who is on Glow, and she's amazing on Glow. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love her. But also Yvonne Strahovski and Seychelle Gabriel and Sam Richardson, and I was like, J.K. Simmons, I was like, just keep Simmons, let's go. Um, Seychelle Gabriel has about seven lines and doesn't do anything very much. Um, it's for about 45, maybe a little bit more minutes, I was like, all right, movie, like you're doing some stuff I wasn't expecting. This is kind of cool. And then... The middle act I found very boring, and by the third act, I was like, oh, okay, this is what I figured it would be, but <laughs> whatever. I'm not really paying attention anymore. But sure. I, will say, I will say it uses Chris Pratt a little bit better than I think a lot of his action blockbusters do. He gets to stretch a little bit, and when is it not good to see J.K. Simmons? And Yvonne Strahovski actually gets to—I was afraid that she was just going to be, like, barking orders the whole time, but she actually gets to act, which is always good because she's very good at that. Um, Yeah, the aliens are kind of spooky looking. But I don't know. Watch The Father if you're choosing between the two of them. <laughs> it is also, The Father's maybe like 97 minutes long. And uh, uh, yeah, it's short. And uh, uh, Tomorrow War is two and a half. So, jeez. Yeah, or two, two and 20. So, yeah. But Shrek 2 is in the middle. And we're watching that next. Um, yeah, we'll... Uh determine whether or not this is its own thing or uh if it's going to be combined with uh part two of our 250th anniversary episode special um <laughs> it's that's right it's the uh bicentennial and a half of <laughs> <laughs> um and we will determine whether or not that is going to happen or, or you as a listener i should say are going to determine if that's going to happen if uh, the next thing that happens is the podcast ends or if it goes on to more of the podcast. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. There's that. <laughs> but we are doing is going to be something kind of special. And who knows? Maybe we'll talk about Shrek some more. Um, but just in case that doesn't just in case it is a separate thing. I just want you guys to know that I've been Britain. And I think it's even more important that you know that I've been Alex. It's not very important that you know that I've been Tyler. Oh, you have a child. But you, it is important that you're having a good night.